What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn. Yes? Something amazing's happened. Go on, tell me. I found Jason Furman's phone number. No way. We should ring him and see if we, we can should. buy some dog equipment off him. We've got to put this to rest once and for all. There's so many people harassing me about his website and you. So, yeah, let's ring this idiot. Ring him up. Okay, hang on a sec. It's ringing. I'm excited. Hello. Hey, Jason. Yes, Patricia. <laughs> I'm ringing to uh, try and buy some dog equipment off you. Yeah, what do you want? I don't know, some tugs, some leashes, some some of that kind of stuff. Can I do that over the phone? No. Okay, what let's would get, you do it over the phone? Mate, let's get down to the nitty-gritty in the business here. Have you got a website or not? Of course. What? Yeah, of course. I just didn't want to tell you buggers about it. You're an idiot. <laughs> so <laughs> please tell us, what is your website? It is www.einzweck.com, E-I-N-Z-W-E-C-K.com. You heard it here, folks. Einswickdogquip.com, where you can buy oh all God, your I dog training equipment. It. Head over there right now, purchase yourself some tugs, leashes. What else do you sell, Jason? Uh, plenty of HS products, uh, mm-hmm. dog pull equipment, fire pour mills, anything any normal dog person would want. Wonderful. No head holders. No, no head holders. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Hey, Cut Jason. Yes, Glenn. You're still a bullfed. Bye. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook. And hey, like it's just been us for a little while. It has. And we've been talking about a lot of industry stuff that Mm. has been a little bit unpleasant and we want to break the funk of that. We're a bit defragmented, aren't we? Yeah. And so we have in the studio with us today, our close personal friend, Bertie O'Sheedy. Hello, everybody. Good to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you back. It's been far too long. You know, we get such good feedback from when you've been on the show before. Your episodes actually rate really well. Like when I'm looking at the statistics, uh, we always get very high following from when you're on the show. Oh, thank you. I love being on the show. And I've also been getting really nice messages. Like every other day I get a really nice message, especially about the True Wolves episodes. Mm. That was really nice. And I get pinged a lot and tagged and things. So, yeah. Thank I really you. like that episode. I think I messaged you about that because I was, I was sitting in a, you know, I wasn't here. I was sitting in an airport listening to it and I was like, oh, this is a really good podcast. Yeah. I love that you felt that way because I did not know that because I didn't hear from you for two weeks after the podcast. So I had no <laughs> idea what you were thinking. I'm like, what's Oh, that's happening? right. You were in the States at yeah, the time. Yeah. I was busy. Mm. Yeah. I was just busy. Yeah, it, okay. it got a lot of yeah, it did get a lot of good feedback. It got a lot of interesting comments and people were putting forward some fan art that they were seeing online that they were saying, you know, this is this is in line with what Bertie was talking about at the podcast. I think even Panos contacted me mm. a few times because he's uh, Panos is quite a spiritual sort of guy and he really liked it as well. Like he looked at it and said, you know, that was a really good podcast and I think he showed me a few things in line with the the whole two wolves thing as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, people typed it out and framed it. Yeah. Um, so, Have you seen that meme that says inside everybody there's two wolves or whatever? And, like, that's – How'd they get in there? No, it's like <laughs> if there is, you should see a doctor. The correct that's number, one. The, yes. connect, the correct <laughs> number of wolves to have inside of you is zero. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's um, really funny. I'll yep. find that and I'll post it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Hey, so hey. Um, what, what are we, we talking about? about? Oh, we both said it together. So oh, cute. So mm. cute. After we professed love for each other last week. Now yeah, that was very adorable. Yeah. We should have we held hands. Yeah. <laughs> you should see how awkward both look right now. Yeah. We could say that we are and no one would know. Um, <laughs> so what are we talking about, Bertie? So some of you might know that I had, um, you know, hosted a couple of bravery workshops and mm-hmm. every bravery workshop is very different because they get to say quite a bit what they want to discuss at the beginning. Like I try to tailor it for their needs. Mm-hmm. And um, 
one thing came up and it was around self-care. It was about, hey, how can I be mindful? How can I be resilient? And kind of like, how can I monitor how I feel? Mm -hmm. And at some workshops, I've shared with them the theory behind it and gave them a, a tool around it. And I thought, you know what? I think we would be all better off if we would know about this because it's a very easy theory. It's called the spoon theory. Mm -hmm. But I very often don't call it the spoon theory. If I explain it to a friend, I very often say it. It's how many fucks a day do you give? (laughs) 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 And I just thought, you know, it might be worthwhile at the moment that we – Instead of focusing what we don't like in the world, we have to take control of our own actions. It's really easy to blame other people or to point a finger at. But at the end of the day, if we all try to be the better person, then hopefully the world is a better place. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think self-care is a really important topic in dog training industry, aside from anything going on. But it it, it probably is one of the highest burnout industries, right? It is. And it's it's like they Mm. also have- That and veterinary. Yeah, I think I, I don't know the statistics, but I do know that we could either see it as a very a community full with pain, emotional or physical, yeah. or we could frame ourselves as a very resilient community that just tries really mm. hard to stay well. The one area where I'm really seeing a lot of emotional damage, I guess, is in the rescue industry. Yeah. Like fundamentally, this is why in the Balance Symposium, which is the other forum, not the Canine Paradigm one, but the Balance Symposium. Quite some time ago, I actually had to say to people, look, I don't want this to become a rescue-focused symposium, simply because that when you seem to mention it in circles, the most heinous type of comments and fights start breaking out around it, and people get so overwhelmed and over-emotional about it, and- I kind of get it because people want to rescue all those dogs. It's a very hard feel. Oh, man. It's, it's very hard. It's like, so I- emotive. It is. And, and I can understand that. Like, I'm, I'm not saying I don't empathise with what people are, are going through because it, it is, it's tough. It's so tough. And I don't know if that was really public, but I was giving a, f- I donated my time to the ACT Rescue, you know, Dallas's rector, the ACT Rescue. ACT Rescue, yeah. 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 And I was hosting a two-hour condensed version of the Bravery Workshop. And that was my first time that I really got an insight into the um, rescue world and fostering world. And man... Like, I have so much respect for them. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be cut out for it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would turn into a dog hoarder. Yep. So the takeaway from that was that I really would like next year to have more online tools for people because at the moment I get a lot of inquiries to do tailored things and I just don't have the time mm-hmm. or the energy. There's a real need out there, but there's also a lot of unhelpful information out there because at the last Bravery Workshop in Canberra, we discussed that there are a lot of interventions that work in the short term But from a psychologist's perspective, it's really – the interesting thing is longevity. Mm. You know, like a lot of things work, but which one gives you the longest help Mm. and sustains you for the longest period of time? Mm -hmm. So that's that's how I see it very often, and I need to think about those things. I need to – I can't just come up with it. But I know that with the people I have shared the spoon theory or how many facts a day you can give – they really liked it because it, you can track things. And I certainly know that in my life, it's been one of the most used and the most consistent tools I've used. And my husband loves it because it gives us a way to communicate things. It gives us a way to communicate how we want to organize our life or our week, our month or our year. And I think that's so important because very often it's so hard to show another person how you feel. Like if I say I'm tired, that might be very different to when Pat says he's tired, right? Mm-hmm. So I like that it opens up communication because most of the time when people feel really vulnerable, that's also the time when our unhelpful behaviours come out, right? We are trained as health professionals that if someone shows a lot of maladaptive behaviours, they're usually really struggling and they feel really vulnerable. It doesn't feel that way, but that's how they perceive it. What does maladaptive mean in that context? Okay. Like really unhelpful. So for instance, when someone is really blaming other people or criticizing other people or is really focused on how to take control of the outside world instead of going like, hey, what can I do to mm-hmm. make this better? Then we know, hey, they're actually not going that okay. Mm-hmm. And it's not always our job to hold them accountable for it or change that. Mm-hmm. But I t- thought, hey, this, you know, the spoon theory would be a nice way that we can take control of our own actions because I honestly believe if we are taking responsibility for our little impact in the world and everyone does it, then we have a chain of lots of little good spaces and hopefully that will spread. 
This is This is a great topic for the show because we sort of lost our funk and it kind of felt like for a while it's like dropping a, a pottery vase, you know, like you can put it back together, but it will never be the same vase. It's always looking tarnished and a bit ratty after that period of time. And this industry is always about ebbs and flows. It's It happens everywhere with human life, but oh my God, this industry just brings out some high value emotions with people. You really get some trigger points, which really affects how people feel and how they relate to each other. And you know, you, you see things sailing along so well for a period of time and it only ta- it, it's like a match to dry wood. It just suddenly just turns to an inferno. And that concerns me how easy it is for things to trigger and, and snowball into such a mass effect over a period of time. So I think one of the values of this podcast, one of the messages that we're trying to get to people is let's not get it to the point where we start hating each other or, or beating up on each other so violently. Let's try and communicate things in a better fashion with each other. Let's try and reach out to each other and use this medium. I mean, the social media can be so wicked in so many ways, but it can also be used in such a an olive branch in a lot of other ways. Yeah, I think, you know, it's wherever you put your attention, that will grow, right? Exactly. <laughs> like that's, that's essentially the message. And there is a model out there. It's called the PERMA model. And it comes from positive psychology and it was created by Seligman. And it, I had a look at it the other day because I wanted to know, hey, what is actually, what are the areas that really recognize psychologists feel like contribute to fulfillment, happiness and meaning? And that could be a whole episode in itself one day. Mm-hmm. But the key aspects are basically that you highlight positive emotions, that you really try to focus to bring out the good in yourself and others and acknowledge the positives in your industry. The other one is that you find engagement in something and in flow, but that doesn't mean that you should find engagement in flow in creating or spreading negativity like we're talking about skill sets you know when you train your dog you know when you forget time because you're so involved in it and i think you guys had a flow episode by yeah. michael chiksamatali like he was to found of the flow concept yeah we did we did that a while ago it was in the 60s i think yeah he's awesome it's definitely something i feel like we should revisit I feel it's like, huge it's a huge concept yeah i've come to understand it a lot better since then and it would be something cool to touch on again so we already have two next episodes like <laughs> <laughs> the of happiness and the float concept yeah. yeah but coming back to the perma model according to seligman like relationships but authentic connection is really important too but the, in that is also like you want to set up yourself and your community for growth right mm-hmm. so it doesn't mean that we can't hold each other accountable but how do we do it and i think very often our energy would better would benefit more from putting it into action within the people we know than having a fight between continents on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Another point of the PERMA model is that you have to create meaning in your life and a purposeful existence. And that was so fascinating. Like at the workshop, I make people really uncomfortable. Sorry for everyone who's coming soon, but <laughs> you have to look at what gives you value in your life with your dog. And we just, you know, go around, well, what brings value to your relationship with your dog? Why did you get a dog? And people got so lost. And I think that reflects our time and age. It's very easy for us to identify over status, over money, over, you know, things to buy. But a lot of things that are giving us resilience, they take a while to accomplish. Mm-hmm. You know, having nurturing friendships, that's a huge investment. Yeah. They're hours of investment. Sure is. Mm. And the other one is achievements, a sense of accomplishment in because you have mastered something, like a skill of mastery. And I think the dog industry is pretty good in acknowledging that to the point that I feel like that often gets too much focus because all the other areas are not acknowledged so much. But anyway, that's just a perma model where, you know, I had a look at, hey, what do really worldwide acknowledged researchers think contributes to well-being and happiness? But that was interesting. And they are things where the spoon theory plays into. Okay. So tell us about the spoon theory. Let's let's So the on. spoon theory and that I'm gonna talk about the original model and then I'm gonna tell you my adaption of it. And I'm sure there are a gazillion adaptions out there and everyone can make their own adaption. Mm-hmm. But the spoon theory was founded by Christine Miserandino. I'm so sorry, Christine, if I butchered your name here, but that's how I read it. And she wrote an essay in two thousand three and it was called The Spoon Theory. And the idea of the spoon theory is basically a metaphor to how people manage fatigue, chronic pain, illness, autoimmune diseases. It's kind of a way of giving a spoon 
an energy unit and you can track how many energy units have I spent and how many energy units have I received in a day. Mm-hmm. So when I'm talking with friends, I'm like, okay, you have 10 fucks a day to give. Every fuck means energy resources. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, not professionally, but from friend to friend. Okay. Yeah. And the idea behind this is that you, for instance, have 10 spoons a day, ideally. But sometimes when you had a busy time in your life, you maybe only start with five spoons a day. Mm-hmm. You know, like after a seminar or when you have had a big group class or whatever, you might not start Monday with 10 spoons. You might go like, oh, today I have less spoons, right? How, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, like mm-hmm. a limited capacity to deal with anything really. Yes. And it's also, for example, some people who are really healthy and fit or are just at the right spot in their life, they maybe feel like they don't even have to track their energy. They have endless amounts of energy. But in our industry, most people would have a limited amount of space Mm. and a limited amount of how much energy they invest. Because burnout prevention is essentially that you don't deplete yourself every single day. Mm -hmm. So... My version of the spoon theory, or I'm sorry if someone else has done it and I forgot to comment on that, but this is how I teach it, is that I say to people, ideally you end your day with two energy units left in your tank. Okay. You have to have two facts left at the end of the day. The two reason, spoons. Two spoons, yeah. Right. The reason why is because what happens if you actually have an emergency at nighttime? Mm-hmm. What happens if you have to have a difficult conversation with your partner? What happens? do you have to do when you foster dogs and you actually still need to be able to manage a situation or to think a situation through or manage a household with children? Yeah. If you're depleted, you very often don't care anymore. But you have to care very often in life late at night. Yeah. Like, do you agree? I like- absolutely agree. And I yeah. think that's um, I think that's a, a valid point when people are coming home to their partners. As you said, you know, like if you use all your spoons during the day and then you come home and your partner is used to seeing you completely depleted, that's very hard wearing when you're taking all of that home and there's nothing left. There's no gas in the tank. That's it. And I Mm. think, you know, we forget how much the Gottman Institute, the world leaders in relationship counselling and relationship therapy, they're awesome. And they, they are a couple, he's quite a mathematician and she's a clinical psychologist he also has a background in psychology like they're just this superpower of brain and caring it's amazing what they produce and they actually quantified how many hours of quality time you should spend with your significant other mm-hmm. guess how many how much time a week you should spend with your significant other to have an okay relationship that you can cope can i guess yeah i think it's 90 minutes a day how many 90 minutes a 90 day. 90 minutes a day how much do you guess Per day or per week? It's up to you. I would say probably about 20 hours a week. So I'm talking about five and a half hours of quality time. That means an opportunity to be present, an opportunity to have a dialogue and to create. Daily? A week. A week. A week. Five and a half hours a week. But that means you're not distracted. Like it's literally an opportunity. The, the restaurant not will be just open. Being there. <laughs> not just being there. Not just being present. No, it, it, you could watch TV, but it means that, hey, we could talk, right? Mm-hmm. And they would really encourage people. And they'd people. listen. And listen. That's the difference. <laughs> yep. Yes. And listen and care. Yeah. Because if you're too tired, you might not care. Or you might don't have the energy to change or have an input. You just have, have zero patients. fucks. Yeah, you have zero facts to give and that yep. will wear down. I think most long-term relationships have periods where sometimes it's really hard because you go through change. Yep. But the idea is that, you know, our relationship is not an afterthought at home. Mm. And whether that's with your dog or whether that is with your partner or with your children, they are really important. And in the model, in the spoon theory model, it's interesting that you learn to track what saps your energy. Especially if you have chronic pain, if you might have fatigue issues, if you have an autoimmune disease, or if you just have a really crazy period in your life, you know, like very often we know small businesses, they don't last very long because they burn out within the first couple of years and they don't have that sustainable energy. Mm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I've been in that situation before where you just felt like you're, it's you against the world. And yeah, you run out of gas really quick when you get to that. Like by the time you get home, you're pretty much adrenalized all day. But when you get home, you just feel like you're completely. I've I've come home from work. Even I mean, even in this job, and I'm sure all of us have. Where you just 
you walk in and literally lay on the couch and go to sleep because there's just nothing left. Oh, totally. Mm. Like I, for example, sorry, Dan, that I make this public for <laughs> my husband, but for example, I'm not great at nighttime. Mm. Like I'm not a, a great listener at nighttime. I'm very tired at nighttime. I'm mm. also a person that most days doesn't start with 10 spoons of energy. So I really have had to learn how do I make time for my family and my husband. So for me, I have to get up earlier because for me, having coffee in the morning with my husband is probably the best side he gets with me. Okay. Yes. So I have to literally shift my day a little bit around. Like I also have really odd clinic hours because of that, because I start the day later so I get to spend more time with him. Mm-hmm. So it has to be a conscious effort because with the spoon theory or my adapted version and everyone can adapt them to the theory to their needs is you need to learn to track what saps your energy. So if you have chronic pain, you might go to physio and that technically is a really good thing to do, but it saps your energy at the same time. So even good things that are good for you might sap you. Mm. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Energy is energy, right? Yeah. (laughs) Could be like I, I'm not a, like I still struggle to understand a lot of physics, so it's not my forte. Mm. But I can have a, like I love doing the podcast, but I will be tired afterwards. So spoon still will be gone. Mm. I might have added a spoon or two because it also gives me a lot. But getting here, for instance, takes a spoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess uh, from a training perspective or from a life perspective, dealing with clients and and your own pet and that kind of thing is. So what you're kind of indicating is that you need to know how many you have and yep. plan your day around how much energy you're willing to uh, output essentially, always keeping your reserve in case something goes wrong. That's ideal. Life very often will give you no chance that you will end on zero or sometimes you might even go into credit. Like for instance, if you have a chronic health issue, you might actually go into credit. You go minus two, right? And that's okay if, if you choose to do that, if you know, hey, I'm willing to go into credit, but then I have to make up for it. Like yeah. you can't end on credit every single day and then you end up with 20,000 spoons in debt because yeah. it will take you a really long time to come back to zero, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's what society wants us to do. We're praising people who are always busy. We are praising people who are tired. Like it's this constant need for, hey, this is what you're doing. But technically, if you look at the permaculture, uh, not perma model, permaculture is something else. Yeah. <laughs> at the perma model, <laughs> um, we have all the other areas in our life that we have to maintain and they also acquire energy. Yeah. We praise a lot of businesses and, you know, our success and what we um, gain that we can measure, but relationships, community, meaningfulness, they all require work, but that means you have to have energy left to work on it. Something I was just thinking about while you are talking, I learned a long time ago, someone told me like, never train your dog angry because it will go badly and you're already angry. Because the the picture you're putting off is different to the dog, and we we talk about that all the time. Yeah, I mean for sure that. But your posture will be different when you're angry. Your dog won't read what you're looking at, and you might be angry about something totally different. And your dog will be confused then, and that's going to add to your anger. And it's only going to the session's going to go bad. The dog's not going to learn anything from it, and it's uh, it's only going to make your situation worse. And I was taught that before I had the chance to to make that mistake. And then of course days come where you do make that mistake. And I've had to stop myself mid session where I see like, this isn't going the way I want. And not even with my own dogs, with, with client dogs and that kind of thing where you just go like, Hey, this isn't going the way it should. I feel myself spooling up over this and like, I need to stop immediately. Uh, And the right thing to do in that moment is to stop. And like, that's what I'm kind of thinking about as you're explaining this kind of thing. It's knowing like, how to go into a situation or whether you even should at all, right? It's interesting that you said it. We had quite a bit of a discussion in Canberra because it was this, do you start training when you have a plan how to train or do you, should you then train or not at all? The very accomplished dog trainers, they said, if I don't have a plan, I don't touch my dog. Mm -hmm. Pet owners, of course, I just, you know, I do. And that was the significant difference in how we view training very often because Mm -hmm. different goals. Yeah. But the interesting thing here is also in a spoon theory, things take away your spoons, but you can also gain spoons. Okay. Like, so it's not just a deficit model. It's also a model where you can put fuel in your tank. So I was thinking, if you're listening to this podcast, I would love that you comment below what gives you energy. What are things that give you actually energy back? Because I think it would be quite interesting to know what the community finds helpful mm-hmm. and other people might get a good idea. Mm. Right? Would that be okay to do? Yeah, yeah of course. Sure. Of course. 
That's good to get, get, get people involved like that for sure. Yeah. There's also like, I can also put up a little chart where you can see how it looks like, mm-hmm. but let's talk a little bit about what saps our spoons, what takes spoons away. Okay. Can I, can I, before you go into yeah. that, I just want to, something again, I'm, I'm thinking of my, I, I can't say it, not, it's not my therapy session, but I'm thinking about all the things like just recently, right? My mind was somewhere else. I was, I can't even remember what I was pissed off about, but I was thinking about something else and I was training with my dog and it wasn't even training. I was doing weight pull, right? I was just doing this like, cause he needs to do his sled work for his ACL and blah, blah, blah. And there was low flying birds flying around and I can't let him go like really pull like crazy in that because that defeats the purpose. I need him to walk slowly. And he is like super tense body wanting to do that and is holding himself into position. And I could feel myself spooling up over it. Like, and I was like, in the context of what you're saying, those spoons were flying out, right? Like I was, <laughs> I was dropping them all over the place because I had to keep locking him into behavior and well, I wasn't happy with the situation. And then I just thought, you know what? Like he can miss a day of his rehab therapy. And I just unclipped him and was like, go chase those birds, bro. Like, I know you like doing that. And I like to watch you do it because it's quite hilarious to watch him do it because he has no intention ever of catching them. It's funny with my dog, like, Valerie, she'll kill the first bird she can, right? She's a bird dog. But Remy chases them, and if they don't go fast enough to escape, he barks at them and because, <laughs> like, he wants them to get away, right? He's like, I have no intention to catch you. It's that I want to chase you. And I, that really amuses me. So I turned that situation, I'm sort of realizing as you're saying this, like, from where it was really pissing me off, I was like, this is a bad – I'm really angry in all of this. And I was like, you know what? I can turn this around. And it wasn't a conscious decision. I just did this. And just chose to just watch my dog go yeah, and be, and, be and that crazy. Would be the, mm. You know, that would be the positive side in the in the PERMA model that you choose to, hey, I have influence over this. How can I change how I feel about it? Mm. The spoons would be like, in hindsight, how many spoons would you have lost in that scenario? Well, uh, definitely many. I, I, I don't I, I don't have a... after you've, Even after you've rectified it, you would have lost many? Oh, no, none then, I don't think. Okay, because so- it... I brought myself, I certainly hemorrhaged spoons all over the place, but then once I sat there and laughed about him running around in circles, chasing birds, and then I certainly got them back. Yes. So you could take a really tiny thing and break it down, but a lot of the time, like especially when people have pain or whatever, they go like showering, takes a whole spoon. Right. Social interactions, takes four spoons. Traffic, two spoons. Like, you know, so you can take it into big steps in your life, like real um, events or mm-hmm. duties, or you can break it down into interactions. Like, you know, sometimes when I have, um, when I play my diary for the week in the clinic, I go like, okay, how many really severe cases do I have and how many do I realistically manage? Okay. If I have too many, I need to come up with a plan B or I might not take on anyone. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, it does. Like if we can also manage our workload in, with the spoons here, we can go like, what does my workload have to look like that I'm going to be okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I understand. Yeah. So what would zap your spoons? Like my spoon zappers are when I try, when I have friendships that are very one way, that's mm-hmm. very sapping for me. Yeah, I, I would I would concur with that one for sure. Yeah. When I haven't managed my diary well, like when I'm overbooked myself, I find that massive. Yep. Um, yeah, I think most people would, if they f- have a sense of organisation in their life, that would be, a, I can see that one as well. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes I'm I'm really cranky with my boss, aka myself, because I'm like, why were you not thinking when you booked it? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I have to have so many steps in place that I don't make my life harder. I think the other thing is for me, I have to put a lot of energy into diet and lifestyle, like just making sure my body has the best way to cope. And then itself gives me spoons, but it also means I actually lose a spoon because I have to be quite disciplined. I have to be really organized. You know, like I can't just rely on McDonald's when I go traveling. I'm, yeah. I have to be prepared. That's him. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything like that for you? Like, so that you can kind of like gather a couple of. Yeah. I think ideas. for me, it's, it's definitely, I'm constantly in the back of my mind trying to think about family work-life balance. Yeah. That's a really difficult one. And I'm trying to, you know, you have to make hay while the sun shines, right? So you got to work while people want you to work. You can't turn people away, but also you got to not regret not having spent enough time with your family at the end of it. And that managing that is, I, I find costly on the spoons for me and that, you know, I have to take work when it's available, but I also don't want to be away so much that I don't see my son growing up. 
So yeah. that's that's a constant sort of thing that I'm thinking about. But I think that's also a really good sign that it's important because a lot of these things they are difficult, right? Like I have to. I very often have to go like, okay, this will cost money, but I will feel good as a parent or a mom or a partner. Yeah. But I think the, the other thing is that I've noticed is I need to become a little bit better at it, that I am where I am. Like when I'm with my lovely husband, I'm with my husband, even yeah. if that's in the car riding to somewhere, but that I'm present there, I'm not on the phone. And oh my God, like I have quite an addictive personality. I normally don't have Facebook on my phone, but when I have a workshop, I put it on my phone. I'm addicted in hours. Yeah. Within hours. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. yeah you I, need that juicy dopamine hit of someone liking some irrelevant post you put oh up. Oh, man. That's a, <laughs> that's a real issue I have as well. It's, it's, it's hard. And you're trying to stay engaged with everything, you know what I mean? Like exactly as you say there where you're, you know, you need, you're doing it for a reason initially, but then the reason kind of becomes the background mm. and just the mindlessly scrolling through the feed. And no, there's so many baits in there at the moment. Like, like there are so many decisions in a day where I'm like, I could comment, but then I have to go like, that will sap a whole spoon that your kids could get, yep. yeah. your dog could get. I'm like, exactly. no. Actually, that's a really good point. That is that is an output of a spoon for sure. Uh, um, or if a not more. Give, yeah, <laughs> of like commenting on something and then knowing that then you might have to defend that position or, you know, whatever. Even if someone agrees with you and comments, you then you're going to go back in there. That's the real, that for sure, commenting on anything, putting anything up is not just the commitment of that time in doing it. It's defending it's, the position. Yeah. Well, yeah. then you might have to come in and, and you know, the, the follow-up engagement that's going to come from that for sure. Yeah. For sure. And also like, I, I don't know about you, but I don't often know what messages await me. Like I can have messages of, oh my God, this is amazing. To the other day, I had very unpleasant messages in my inbox and I don't know how I deserve that message, but you don't know what you enter. So there's always a little bit of tension for me there when I open up my yeah. apps, you know, yep. it's, it's not always pleasant. You don't know what workload ex is expected of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not a person with gazillions amounts of energy. So I'm like, I'm trying to not make my life harder. Some things you have to manage. That's part of the business deal. And then I, I'm appreciative with Facebook for that, but I don't need to make it harder for me just because I enter certain discussions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I kind of feel that if you look at my phone now, the position it's in, it's it's flipped upside down because I don't want to look at it and I don't want it to stimulate me that while I'm engaged in this conversation with you guys that, you know, something less important will pop up on my phone and I'll be – because I did before. I just looked at it because something triggered on screen. So I thought, fuck you, I'm going to turn you upside down. This is effectively the devil on our shoulders Glenn a lot of the time. Glenn is pointing at his phone. I'm pointing at my phone. <laughs> yeah. So Radio show. <laughs> We need the, the, like in the old 60s where you start making sound effects or something. But I mean, yeah, I'm pointing at my phone. This is the devil on your shoulder sometimes. Yeah. And when you're talking about fucks to give or spoons given up, I find that some of the, the spoons that I'm hemorrhaging is the way I behave on other people's behavior, like how it triggers me to behave where I think to myself, I don't even know why I'm getting involved in that. And, you know, you, you hit a good point before, Pat, when you were talking about responding to things i've actually started responding to things less like people have yeah. commented like they've messaged me and said hey there's a, a message on facebook and you know like you haven't commented on it or anything like that and i said yeah because i don't really care to i just don't have the time to at the moment to to get involved and it. it doesn't really it doesn't warrant my time right now not sounding arrogant or disrespectful or rude to what other people find important but it's not important to me and I can't let it be important to me because it will suck up way too much time and then I will trigger over it and then I will drop a ton of spoons on it. So I have to find relevance in my real life, not my virtual life. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's really an important comment is that very often our values are not represented online, but we should represent our values, whatever we find meaningful in our real life. Mm. Like it's so easy for me to go an hour online, but in that hour I could have called someone, right? Yeah, yeah. Or I could have surprised someone. I could have done nice, something nice for myself. I could have gone for a walk. But for me, I'm like I'm the poster child for how addicted a person can get to Facebook. Like I, have, I can't even have the phone upside down. Like I have two phones. I have a business phone and a private phone. My business phone has to be turned off in another room. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, I'm cheating. <laughs> well, it's a tricky one in that space as well because. Most, like for people who are industry people who this is their job or whatever, Facebook is where you're getting most of your work from in dogs. 
I have to look at it. Yeah, you I have to look at it, too. Yeah. And we are, as an industry, quite isolated people because, like, I don't have – like, the my work Christmas party is me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't have co-workers. I don't have that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, so that's why, as an industry, where we – you find that people kind of gravitate and they know each other. And it's interesting. Like I had a client uh, recently and they, they jokingly said they were from India and they, they made this joke. Uh, I think I'm not sure whether they were born here or there, but they made this joke about you. They had a friend in India that was having a problem with their dog. And they made this joke about, Oh, you don't happen to know any dog trainers in India. Do you? And I was like, what part of India? Because I do, I know heaps, right. Just from Facebook. Right, because PSA is big in India, and so you know you just kind of have this network of people, and so I I do, and but I don't really know those people, but it's Facebook, and so, and I've kind of talked about it a fair bit. Like Facebook is really LinkedIn for dog trainers. Dog yeah. trainers don't really seem to be on LinkedIn, but Facebook is our professional networking tool. Yeah, and so you do have to be on it. You do have to engage with yeah. the community mm. first of all in order to get work, but then also to stay up to date with like best practices because that's where people are putting their, their videos and, and – But did you yeah. go with the value of professionalism in this, right? Mm. But the Facebook chunk image is based time on there. But that, that's right. So you that's go in there – huge difference. You go in there with these intentions of like, okay, I'm here. This is – because this is a work task for me. I need to be online for this task. And, you know, you have to post stuff and you have to give engagement back to the people that write back. Otherwise, you know, it's rude and, and – it's not good business to not engage back with your But you audience. also need to be in a frame of mind to actually write good comments back. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like yeah. that, you know, but like then, if you do it properly, that's actually a job. Yeah. But then you're in there and suddenly you're watching a video of like a Remy guy. Remy eating, eating chili. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, that, that was funny. That was funny. Um, I watched it for a few times. But then suddenly I'm watching someone, you know, like building a wooden hut and I find myself 10 minutes later, like I've watched this whole video of a guy. I'm, I'm addicted to those videos where, you know, it's like a guy using no tools, like he'll build uh, we, something we have, in the I've middle of nowhere. I've watched him too. He's amazing. Like, yeah. It Is that that little, the, like that? There's in, a few different in, people Indian that guy do that's it. Like I'm not sure where he like a, I don't know, but he builds all kinds of awesome things. And I, I just will watch that. Yeah, I've seen that where he – He'll build like a yeah. a waterfall in a hole in the ground yeah, and turn yeah. it into a little rock cave with a yeah. swimming pool. And I'm, I'm thinking, so addicted to that. I'm like the, I'm like one of those crazy. kids that dies playing video games because he forgets to eat. Like I will be yeah. sitting there and just be like, oh wait, I'm late to wherever I needed to go because I just watched video after video of this. And like I opened the app with the intention to do some work, yeah. and then suddenly I'm suckered into that. And yeah. so that's that's a real trap. For and me, it is for also me. I think they also. Ha- what I found helpful at the moment is that I try to have certain times of the day where I log in. Mm-hmm. Like at the moment, I try to not make Facebook the first thing I do in the morning. My first thing is my family at the moment. Yeah. Because I just find myself, I'm like, it's 9.30, I'm still at Peter's. What did I do? Oh, Facebook. I answered messages. But my morning routine is totally chaotic right now. Yeah. So I think it's just that we hold ourselves a bit accountable for it and that we are I have to be honest with myself that I'm an addict in that regard and yeah. I have to be really yeah, having too. strong boundaries. Yeah. I've told you guys about my chronic addiction to World of Warcraft, didn't I, back in the day? No. I, th- I thought I mentioned on yeah, I know a little bit about it. I think you yeah, a little bit, yeah. I just wanted to drag it out of you a second. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it because it was a terrible addiction, but I got like immensely addicted to World of Warcraft to the point of time where it consumed – all of my private time. What was your screen name? We can't say. Uh, Hair <laughs> Rottweiler. Okay. Hair yeah. Rottweiler. Hair Rottweiler, which basically means Mr. Rottweiler. Yeah, yeah. I was immensely addicted to it. I literally had no social life. My life was sitting in a chair. My friends were the people that I was clanning with or gilding with, whatever you call it. I can't remember now, but that was all I was doing. And I was triggered all the time and completely adrenalized every single time I sat in that chair, like to the point of being completely fatigued that I was consuming probably 10 times. I drink usually one, maybe two coffees a day. That's the max I usually have. I was doing 10 cups of coffees a day just so I could stay awake enough so I could stay in the game and literally stay up to the point of absolute exhaustion to get up, to go to work, and literally be locked out of everything during the work all day. Like it was dangerous what I was doing at work because I was not present. It wasn't even in my mind, body or soul what was going on. So I could run home, 
get straight back on the computer, eat my food in front of the computer, pretty much set it out. So I had a buffet sitting there of dips and drinks and everything like that. I didn't have to go back to the kitchen, neglected the dogs, everything. And then finally one day I thought to myself, I have no life. I'm sitting in a fucking chair, stacking weight on, like I'm arguing with people I've never met in my life. I don't even know what they look like or what part of the world they're coming from. So I just said to everybody, goodbye. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, "Um, here's all my stuff. I gave them all the stuff that I collected during the game. And they said, you're insane. And I said, no, I'm done. And I took the disc. I snapped it. I deleted it off. Like all the discs that I bought, I broke them in half so I couldn't be tempted to put it back in the machine again. I deleted it from my computer and I, and I mean, I had massive withdrawals. I cried like I sobbed because it was like I watched my family die in front of my eyes. That's how bad it was. I sobbed for about three or four days that I'd gone and, and done this. I wanted to go down the shop and buy it again so I could reinstall it because I thought to myself, what have I done? You know, but then I, I started going for walks and I started like forcing myself to meet people getting out in life and getting back engaged with the dogs again and starting to reinvest in it. And it was, it was incredible what I had lost in the real world based on my session with the virtual world. But I mean, talk about drop spoons. I had, I was running on fumes every single day. Like I was a sick guy. And the interesting thing is, so if I would question you, I would talk to you, then you go like, this is what I want to do with my life. Right. Mm. So very often. Yeah. At the time. Absolutely. We, we, yeah. we have to have this, access to a wise part in ourselves that can go like self-care sometimes doesn't feel good. Mm. Going to the physio for me doesn't feel good most of the time. Being on a healthy diet, would I rather have pizza or would I rather have a salad? Duh. Like, mm. you know, so so I think we also have to be acknowledging self-care very often is not pleasant, yeah. but it's the right thing. Uh, on, on what you were saying then, I think there's a lot of parallels uh, outside of just gaming, but into to try and bring us back to the dogs. Yeah. But people can get stuck into that. It's just about obsession. Yeah, but yeah. that's right. And people can get stuck into that, the dog world being online. Yeah. Whereas like your dog world really uh, probably needs to be more physical than Absolutely. online, right? Like it needs to be your hands on real dogs and training with real trainers and friends that you train with and, and that kind of thing, rather than just watching videos and being caught up in the drama. Yeah. I think discussing the theory online and having healthy debates around the theory is a good thing, but mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, you, you need to discuss the theory and then, get, like I said last week in the podcast, get off your butt, get off the chair, and go outside and practice it. Yeah. Like, talk about it with colleagues online. Have healthy debate and healthy discussion about, you know, the, your intrigue around what needs to be done better, and then go and put it into practice. Yeah. That really is the the best advice I think I, I could personally give somebody. I think, it's, I think you hit a really interesting spot there. To me, the document is very connected online, but very isolated and fragmented in real world. Yeah. And I think we should aim to kind of change that the other way, mm-hmm. because in the end... You, if you have a real life and a real dog, you need people in who show up in your life who you yep. could have a meal over to discuss things or have a coffee with, but that takes time and investment. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's why, I, I, you know, every every uh, Thursday when we come out here for training, like our PSA club, I call that going to church. Like I know. for me, that's, <laughs> that's like, that's really important to me. Yeah. Like coming out here and like training Connecting dogs with, with other people and, yep. you know, we talk shit and we tease each other and we have a good time. But that's, that's part of the... That's part of going to church. Yeah, that's part of it, right? Yeah. It's the community, but the it's the real life community. You know what I mean? And yeah. we, and we, there's no reception in that in that shed, so everybody's kind of locked in there, and you just with each other because even if you want to be on your phone, it doesn't work. So yeah, you're kind of stuck there with each other. Yeah, I think that's really good, and I think you know this is so important because I feel really lonely and disconnected. I'm like, if I call people, how would how many people would show up for a meal? That's how I see it. Not everyone has to see it that way. But I'm like, I need to feel like people would actually show up if I would cook something for Mm -hmm. them. If I feel like no one would show up, I have to work on it. Mm -hmm. But that's me. That's not important to everyone. But, you know, my number one thing on my bucket list is one that I have a huge feast that I provide for my own land and garden for my friends. That's me. But everyone else should also have a reality tracker, how they can see how connected am I in the real world. Yeah, for sure. Hey, back on the topic of the spoons or fucks to give – I think one of the interesting things about, say, dog training people and and the dog training community is most people are so really in love with their job and invested in doing it. There's a weird sort of dichotomy where you're losing spoons in order to chase spoons, right? 
Like, so for me, say for example, and this, like, uh, again, I'll use myself as an example because I don't speak for anybody else, but like, uh, I have pretty significant injuries. Like quite, I was kicked out of the army for, I was medically discharged, right? I broke my back in two places. I got bulged discs. I need a double hip replacement. So that is a constant hemorrhage of sperm. I mean, constant pain will be for the rest of my life. There's no getting out of that. But what makes me happy is training dogs. But what causes me pain is training <laughs> dogs, right? Yeah. Um, and there's no way out of that. And, and I'm going to be in pain whether I – I probably would be worse if I was sitting in front – no, I know for sure I'd be worse if I was sitting in front of a computer all day, right? So, like – but it's – I think that's my scenario where I'm constantly trying to make myself happy. I'm trying to gain spoons, but in the process of gaining them, they've fallen all over the place. So, right? basically what you're saying is that your spirit animal is the snake eating its tail. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, but I feel like that that's probably common for a lot of people because- It's say- common for me. Like, I do the same. So, I have a lot of fatigue. Mm-hmm. I could not stop working because I would get so mentally miserable- that I would hurt myself more in the long run. Yeah. So how can people manage that? Like imagine, you know, we spoke at the start about rescue. The I'm sure what motivates a lot of those people is the putting out of the dogs to rescue, the right? Dosage. Yeah, like they actually get out, but then it's the process that is so costly on the spoons, but the the payoff is so high to them. So So this is just my ad hoc thought. I think it's the dosage and the intensity. Mm-hmm. I think as long as you monitor it, then you know, hey, yep. where am I? If you have gone into deficits after deficit over and over, you need a break. Okay. So while whatever it is, if you are, and I think a lot of people would find themselves in this position where the thing that costs you your spoons is what brings you your spoons. You need to really sit down and do the maths prior. Yes. And you need to be honest with yourself. Yep. So for instance, I have I'm not always good at being honest with myself because I love working. It's something that gives me a lot of joy. Mm -hmm. So I have an agreement with my partner that I'm like, if you see something where you feel like I'm going into deficit after deficit, you need to pull me up. And I have given you permission to be honest with me and pull me up. Mm -hmm. So for me, that literally after this week, he said, well, hey, you had a workshop. You had to go to work. The cases were strong. You agreed to a podcast. Why are you going to do the next couple of days? Show me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I have to kind of tell you what am I going to do that I'm going to be okay, right? So that I gain spoons without going back into deficit. And that might be that I have to do things I maybe not enjoy so much. So self-care for me sometimes is like literally just having a quiet day at home, mm-hmm. which I find very boring. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I go online and just numb myself with videos. That means I meditate. I might do my stretching exercises that I really dislike. Like, oh, I prepare food, right? So so it's whatever I need to do to gain the things and there's discipline involved because mm. it does. I don't like doing my stretching exercises. They give me spoons in the long run, but in that moment I don't like doing them. Yeah, they're mm. cost immediately for a long-term gain. So it's a bit of a complex model if you really break it down. Yeah. Well, especially for this industry as we're – as we're kind of discussing that, I think I've really got that in my head that the thing that brings the spoons costs the spoons. It's the same for me. Yeah. And I'm, I think it's a model that you constantly have to challenge yourself because something that maybe brought you or gave you a spoon a year ago is different now. Mm. But at it's least you're still gaining a spoon, you know, like at least it's a, a balancing act and not a complete deficit. Mm. I have this story and I've, ta- I've told it many times and I'm allowed to talk about it. I've been given permission and I think that is the most extreme example I can think of when what you do that gives you spoons but also takes spoons. I know this amazing, magnificent human being and I've worked with him and I've n- – like he's one of the few people that will forever leave an impression in me. And he has a horrible chronic illness and he's in tremendous pain, like pain that is excruciating. It's not chronic pain. Like he dislocates his joints constantly. And he has given me permission to talk about it because he wants to inspire other people. So, for example, for him to shake someone's hand, he might dislocate his wrist. Damn. If he if he sneezes, he might dislocate his sh- shoulder. If I hug him too hard, he might hurt himself. Or his girlfriend hugs him, something might happen. If he gets up too quickly from stepping out of the car, his knee might be gone. So it's really harsh pain, right? Mm. And he was mentally not coping so well when I've met him. But now he's, I mean, he's one of the most resilient people I've ever met. And now he's a photographer for National Geographic with tremendous gear, amazing skill set. But for him, it was every day. And he actually is the one that taught me the spoon theory that said every day I have to make sure I'm not 
ending too much in deficit, but the value in the pain that I have actually outweighs the positive. But he took it to the extreme. Like he has to carry his gear around all the wildcats in Africa. And I'm sure by that time he has probably dislocated a few joints that he just popped back himself without medical aid. He might be really sick and nauseous from all the pain, but he still is so value driven because he knows for him that gives meaning to his life. So he's willing to bear the pain. Mm, wow. Thinking about that then, uh, if he taught you spoon theory, do you think we keep saying spoons and and, and maybe like – you know, you said at the start we're going to say fucks to give, Yeah, right? because that's the, that's the honest thing that feels to me because yeah. I need to be invested that I have a fuck to give. I care. Yeah. A spoon is a spoon. So do you think that this, calling it the spoons is a little bit disassociative and so you don't have to then admit like, hey, I'm burnt out. I don't have to say that out loud. I can just go, uh, no, I'm out of spoons. I'm sorry, right? I've heard the spoon theory before. I was explained to me before by someone and, and I kind of got the feeling that it's a little bit disassociative so that I don't have to explain to you what's going on with me I can just go like, no, there's no more spoons. And if you understand the spoon theory, you get it and don't ask any questions because it's like, I'm too tired. Oh, why? What happened? Blah, blah. Because then it, you're attaching, you know, tired is an emotion or whatever. It's right? also a boundary. It's not everyone's business to know. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like it's a, it's a medical model. A medical model is there to protect your privacy at the yeah. same time and to honor your privacy. But for example, to my friend, I'm like, I have no fucks to give, man. With my husband, I have the traffic light system. Mm -hmm. Like he's like, what color are you? So I'm like, I'm green, I'm orange or I'm red. And then they're different shades, right? So instead of me doing the math of how many spoons to have, I can go like, hey, I'm red. Okay, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> run. <laughs> no, and also that means for him, he's like, okay, that means I can do whatever I need to do. Or yeah. You manage whatever management plan you have in place. But I think it's for yourself if you can call it, you don't have to call it fucks if that doesn't sit well with you, but you need to care. It's your life. Yeah, yeah. And you want to have meaning in your life to be resilient. Mm. So I think if, this, if the listeners would like to share what gives them spoon, I would be really interested because I think it might stimulate the community to go like, what resources can we tap into when we have to get energy? Like, what can we do? Yeah, I love that idea because I really want to get that discussion group back on track as to being a discussion about giving people the opportunity right of reply to us, I think, because, you know, we there's only these three microphones, but there's a lot of people would like to have input. And that group even though we just talked about Facebook and its pitfalls, really is their opportunity to engage with us about that, right? And and I think you're dead right. There's probably some value in finding out what other people get spoons from and maybe you will also. Yeah, and I think it's always good to know what it is, you know, like everyone's a bit different. So I think it would be good that we also just spark a bit of curiosity and go like, hey, how can we as a community just share what is good for you? What gives you... What makes you care in life? What makes you give a fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I do too. Hey, yeah. I know we're kind of out of time. What workshops have you got coming up? What, what else is going on? Well, she's got the white paper that she's doing at oh, the IACP. Yeah. Can you believe that we're not going to be there for that? Or we're going we're oh, gonna to bust horrifying. in halfway through? I'm so sorry about that. And you know how hard I've tried to find alternate arrangements to be there on time. But we just thought that like last year, the white papers were in the afternoon on the Sunday. And so- we we land in um, Denver at like nine thirty, is it? Yeah, and you start at ten thirty. I know. And it's a two hour ride from Denver Airport to the. Is it two hours? Yeah, about two hours from Denver to Colorado. It is what it is. It, this is just you know. And there's logistics. no there's no other way to get there. We I know. I, I also said to you, I would never expect it because I know how crazy your schedule is. Unless anyone's got a helicopter, they want to come pick <laughs> us up in. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really excited for my white paper contest. I'm also really nervous. I have a surprise. At the presentation. I wanted to be that surprise. Yeah, I know. And I was counting on you being that surprise. But anyway, it's going to be good. It's going to be on, on – maybe someone will videotape it or not. And also someone in this room wearing a black and white flannel shirt resembling Canada told me I better do Australia proud and not <laughs> let them down. So my harshest critic won't be Which there. is funny because you're not even Australian. No, I'm Australian, but I identify as Australian. <laughs> So I will try and I'm really excited for the paper and yeah, hopefully can, you know, I want to make it practical. So I've decided to not be too nerdy. I just want to give skills. I, I know people attending the conference are going to love 
sitting down and talking with you and or listening to your presentation. Don't, don't talk me up. I'd rather be an underdog and then surprised than yeah, everyone yeah. going in. Oh my Under God. Promise he does, over he does that to people. Uh, <laughs> like you just stole two spoons from me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I saw them fall out under the chair. Like, you know, that, anyway. That's super exciting. I mean, it's congratulations on, first of all, getting the opportunity to do that. And then you're then doing a seminar in Maine yes, afterwards. Yes, on the 14th and 15th of September, I'm with the Maine Dog Training Company. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that. Terry and Amanda. Yes, and uh, they've given me permission to swear as well. So my job will be a lot easier <laughs> because at the moment I have someone tracking how many times I swear at each workshop. So I'm trying to reduce my numbers. Yeah. But no, I'm really excited. I'm really feeling really privileged and also really, you know, it's very humbling when you go, people put, their vote to your name, like yeah, that's cool. pretty humbling. Yeah, you essentially, uh, yeah, you not essentially, you were voted in on that white paper, right? Like yes. that, that was, yeah. And I, I didn't voting. bribe anyone. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we shall see. I hope people are happy with it. But I'm super excited. I'm a bit nervous about it. But that's for me always a normal good thing that brings a better side in me out. Yeah. It's not too much. I think healthy. I'm excited about it. I think that. You know, while we're blowing smoke up, up up people's asses, I think that what you bring to the community is invaluable. I think that when you look at uh, my head's just growing. Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, people. It, it's not the same thing. Well, they want and need what you're yep. you're doing, and it's it's fantastic that's available. It's adding like, spoons. And you know, I've had people so. ask yep. me certain things, and I'm like, hey, that's a birdie problem. Like you need to talk to her about that because, like, I I can help you with the dog. Like that's my specialty, but. The reason why you're choosing not to do something or whatever, that's a that's a go to the bravery workshop. That's that pile or what do you call it? That bucket that they yeah, need to draw from. There's still so much to do and I'm just like I'm gonna take my time slow because if I produce something I wanna do it good and the feedback that I have from the bravery workshop is I'm going to do more detailed topics in more segments, but go deeper in because it's just a lot to compre- comprehend and people are so tired. Like they mm. are so tired at my workshop. Like I have to rely Cost on sugar and caffeine to, to keep them going. So, but I'm excited. I'm very happy. I've reduced my clinic hours to put more time and effort into my dog stuff. Cool. Yeah, this year is a bit nuts, but it's on track. Awesome. I've got to tell you that I was very impressed with how social Luna was last time I saw her. She's doing well. Like Katrina commented on how well she's doing. That was at Jay Jack's seminar. When he was out here and she was really excited to be here. Like for a dog that's nervous and edgy around people, she was really excited. She was quite motivated to go over and get pats by people and join in. And Thank you. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was really nice to see. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I, you I know. could tell how relieved you were as well. Like, you know, you I were was. sort of holding your bag of spoons. Up when oh, yeah, she- <laughs> it's the first time we went because before I would not know how to make it happen. Mm. And um, I was really glad. And the, the feedback I got from Canberra was that people were surprised how effective it is when you are having tools to manage yourself and mm. how it translates well to your dog. So we shall see if America agrees with this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they will. It's a universal. Yeah. But I will see you after my presentation. I hope you have a big hug. We'll be busting in halfway through. We'll be luggage in hand. We'll be running in saying, stop the show. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone shut up. We're here. (laughs) Start again. (laughs) Start again, Bernie. We're here now. You can start. I hope I get a big hug because you will have stolen all my spoons and then I need spoons. (laughs) Very often a hug from a friend gives me a spoon. (laughs) But yeah, if someone does have a helicopter or uh, some sort of... (laughs) Maybe a Tesla or, you know, one of the, something that can go something really fast to get us from Colorado, uh, from Denver to Colorado Springs in an hour. Oh, I've just <laughs> thought of something. So if someone gives you a hug, would you say, is that a spoon in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> no, Glenn. Glenn, you're so naughty. Oh, oh. You're just taking spoons from me with that comment. And we put in an hour of trying to make a really professional, really nice podcast and then Glenn throws us under the That's bus. That's what I do. In the That's last, I do. In, in the closing I'm segment. I find it funny. Thank you for that, sir. <laughs> I'll have to make a T-shirt out of that now. No, no, Please we don't, don't need that T-shirt. <laughs> we stick with Avery's design and, and you know, Chase's. Uh, hey, thanks for coming on again. It really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Welcome. All right. Well, that's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, please like, rate, share, subscribe. Do that through whatever subscription service you download us from. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is via Patreon. There's a few different tiers there. It gets you all different kinds of information and stuff. 
And Teespring now? Yeah, Teespring as well. If you want to rep the brand a little bit, we've got some funky T-shirts. and It supports uh, the show. You can look cool. Yeah, all that. Impress your friends. And speaking of Avery, she's done that amazing design for us, so mm. that, that's there she's to amazing. get out. And the one for Birdie as well. Yeah, she, she did. has. Yeah, she won for you. And she will, her design will be represented at the conference. That's oh, she, yeah. that's exciting. Very cool. That's exciting. All right, and if you want to get in contact with us, the best way to do that is via email. We are info at thecanineparadigm.com. Lane, have you got your button ready? Got it ready and it's going to work. You ready? Good luck, sir. Three, two, one. See, we can talk through it now, Bernie. Different from when you were here last time. <laughs> <laughs>